0: Psalm 10 for our first reading. Verse 1. Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired Word of God. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above, out of his sight. As for his enemies, he puffeth at them. He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. He sitteth in the lurking places of the villages, In the secret places doth he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. He croucheth and humbleth himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. He hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten, he hideth his face, he will never see it. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thine hand, forget not the humble. Wherefore doth the wicked contemn God? He hath said in his heart, Thou wilt not require it, thou hast seen it. For thou beholdest mischief and spite, to requite it with thy hand. The poor committeth himself unto thee. Thou art the helper of the fatherless. Break thou the arm of the wicked and evil man. Seek out his wickedness till thou find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The heathen are perished out of his land. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear, to judge the fatherless and the oppressed that the man of the earth may no more oppress. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. So, notice that there is no title to this psalm. Some commentators tie it to Psalm 9. In the Septuagint, Psalms 9 and 10 are joined together as one psalm, and the numbering changes at that point. That's why the numbering of the Septuagint is off by one psalm throughout, and then back at, I think it's 146, that is divided, and so the numbering rectifies in the Septuagint. So, <clears throat> it is something to consider here, especially, uh, and you can't see this in the English, but in the Hebrew, there is a, um, a sort of, it's not an exact pattern, but it is a patterning. You know how some psalms have verses that begin with one letter and then the next letter and then the next letter and then the next letter. So there is a kind of pattern between Psalms 9 and 10 here. And so I think probably the best understanding is uh, what I've learned from uh, J.A. Alexander, Kylan Dalich. Uh, they say that, that we want to make this a double psalm with Psalm 9. And so the, they are intended, like Psalms 42 and 43, to be considered together. Okay. So with that, uh, there is a difference in subject matter here, and the difference in subject matter I think is very helpful for us. You know, we live in a day where uh, there are things that are going on. We all lament uh, the direction our our society has taken, really for the last hundred years or so, but especially in the last couple of decades, we look at our our nation, our society, our people, uh, the people of the United States of America or the West or what, you know, whatever name you want to put on it. And we see a great, a great declension from godliness. We see trouble. What does the psalmist do when he sees that kind of trouble? Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? And then he will go on to describe the trouble. Beloved, may I say it this way? We must be better than people that only curse the darkness. We must be like the psalmist when we see such troubles that we recognize that there is at least in some sense a divine genesis of those troubles. He will say, Lord, why standest thou afar off? Might we say the same thing in our day? We might, yes. Rather than moaning and complaining and <clears throat> and putting up <coughs> political solutions and economic solutions and other temporal solutions, the psalmist he will run right to the source, won't he? And so should we. <coughs> Forgive me, it'll take me about a service and I have to get everything blown out. So, he lays out his problem. The thesis statement of the problem is the wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices they have imagined. There's Ways of persecuting the poor that don't look like persecution. The psalmist gets toward this a little bit later in the psalm when he says that this wicked man that is seeking to disadvantage or to take advantage of the poor that he does so by craft. (coughs) He's like a lion (coughs) that lurks for his prey or like a hunter that draws him into his net may I say that we see much of this today um, the the envy and jealousy and misappropriation of of the causes of poverty are rampant in our society um, I will tell you that is my opinion and that you can take my opinion and 10 dollars and go buy a hamburger, okay? But it is my opinion that there are that there's an entire class of people that advertise their help for the poor actually intending to keep them poor and to do them harm. This is the drawing into the net, the fomenting of envy has become a business in our society. And envy is a wicked sin. What the psalmist will do is he will he will ask the Lord to rise up against the wicked for the sake of, of his vindictive judgment, but then also to the poor he will say, the Lord is your helper. These are the words that need to come out of our mouths as well. Now I'm not... Advocating that we as private individuals aren't or shouldn't be generous. No, we should be generous. We've talked about that before. We should be affected with the needs of others around us, especially, as Paul will write, of the household of faith. But the remedy of poverty is not throwing money at it, beloved. That is a part of the deception. And this is what the psalmist will remind us of here. Let us all avoid the temptation to jealousy and envy. That if we have what we would think to be less than what we need or less than what we ought to have, maybe the Lord for some temporal reason has brought us through a season of of temporal poverty let us remember the commandments of God in temporal poverty and not envy those who have more and certainly not desire their stuff. There's a commandment for that. It's called the tenth. But also, for the wicked, that tenth commandment applies as equally to them, does it not? Amos will will speak of those wicked in the nation of Israel who pant after the dust on the head of the poor. Can you think of anything more wicked and covetous than that? Why do they want the dust on the head of the poor? Simply because somebody else has it. And of course that's an exaggeration, but it is a helpful exaggeration, isn't it? That... Covetousness is not about how much you have. As one 1980's songster said, it's not not getting what you want, it's wanting what you've got. Pretty simple. So what is the difficulty that the psalmist brings up? The wicked are oppressing the poor. And they do so with supposed impunity. They say, God doesn't look at this. They say, God doesn't care. In other places we'll hear, the Lord doesn't see, he's left the earth. Right? He's left us to take care of such things. They have no thought of God. God is not in all his thoughts, is how it's translated here. Um, it may also be translated um, that uh, all of his thoughts are not about God at all. How is it that the wicked can be so oppressive toward his fellow man? Because he believes there is no judgment. And so, beloved, we, as the people of God, must have this mouth of of truth and that mouth of truth must also be accompanied by hands of truth so we speak the truth that that there that that there is assistance that we can be that is not oppressive to the poor but actually helpful to them we help them apply themselves to the lord we don't give them a fish we teach them to fish we give them those skills and provide for them in that way We recognize that money is not the solution to covetousness that contentment and spirituality is. And so, these wicked men in this passage, they go on and on and on. And this is very close to our day in this same kind of cry. And so the psalmist is very instructive to us by way of example, that we can cry up these very things. We can use Psalm 10, not only as a praise to sing to God, but as a prayer offered to him, relating it to our own age. This is a great example. Beloved, remember how Paul will write in Romans chapter 8 that we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us, giving us groanings too deep for words. And may I advance that thought one more click and say, And here the Spirit has given us words to pray. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thy hand. Forget not the humble. And so the psalmist takes the troubles that he sees in the society around him. And he brings them directly to the Lord. Now there are imprecations here. But I don't think the imprecations are something that sometimes they're often worked out to be. Listen to what he says in verse 13. Break thou the arm of the wicked and evil man. Seek out his wickedness till thou find none. I want to say two things about that. The first thing is, can you hear that there's hope in those words? Breaking the arm of the wicked man is not necessarily a call for a cursing upon him, but perhaps reformation upon him. Break his strength. Break him in where he is his strongest, that is, in his in the stronghold of his wealth. Break his arm, such that he might oppress no more. That's the first thing. Seek out his wickedness until thou findest none. That is, grant him respite from his wickedness. Bring him back from the precipice of destruction. Certainly we can pray that. And then the other thing that that I want you to understand here is how we pray. I think this is David, although I can't be dogmatic about it. But I think David here tells us this. Notice what he says. Seek out his wickedness till thou findest none. Do we have a promise in Scripture that we should or can expect that the Lord will search out anyone's wickedness until there's none left in this life? No, we don't. We know that imperfection will always abide with us. What is this prayer about then? This prayer is about praying the revealed will of God and not seeking to peel back the veil to know what God is actually going to do. What is the revealed will of God? Pursue righteousness until you have no wickedness left in you. Isn't that God's revealed will? The Lord doesn't say to us, keep my commandments, although I know you never truly will. He holds out his commandments to us to keep them 24-7, all the time, in our dreams and sleep even, doesn't he? And so if the Lord would say through David, Break the arm of the wicked man. Seek out his wickedness till thou find none. We recognize that that's a prayer that may not be fulfilled in this life, yet it is in keeping with God's revealed will. And so we pray in keeping with God's commandments. And beloved, if we pray like that, like David here, we're going to ask big. If we pray what we think is possible according to our eyes we're going to ask small. But if we pray according to God's revealed will, we're going to ask big, aren't we? I remember after one prayer meeting a while back, before Roe versus Wade was overturned, one of the members came up to me afterward and said, big request. We had asked that the Lord would bring abortion to an end, that he would root it out of our law. Pastor, big request. Well, if we look at it from the human side and what we think is possible, if we're all politicians, what is politi- what are politics? Do you remember the old adage? It's the art of the possible. Remember that? Right? Maybe you want to write the art of compromise instead. The art of the possible. If we're praying according to the quote, art of the possible, we're going to ask small, but if we're praying according to God's revealed will, we're going to ask big. And to encourage us from time to time, God will answer big. He will answer big. So the imprecations here then at the end of Psalm 10 are certainly true. We should be praying these things. The Lord is king forever and ever. The heathen are perished out of his land. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear, to judge the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may no more oppress. The folks that are oppressed, they don't need our money. That's not what they need. They need our care and compassion. They need our prayers. They need our instruction. They need our example. They need all of those things. So, beloved, let us be compassionate Let us be generous, but let us do so according to the revealed will of God, and let us ask big according to that will. Let's stand and call upon the Lord in prayer.